Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today we've got a great story of revenge on a client who tried to throw someone under the bus. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, random bench starts drama for no reason. So, today was quite the day. It all started when my mom, 43-year-old female, was woken up at 7.30 in the morning to our next-door neighbors ringing our doorbell screaming at us. It was a video camera doorbell. Quick bit of context before I continue. Basically, my mom called the housing authorities in our city because these people didn't have electricity for three days and their generator was so loud, we couldn't get any rest. So when the housing authorities literally came to her house, they gave this lady my mom's name and address. So that's how this all started. Back to the present day, this lady says she's going to beat my mom's butt, and at this point my drama detector woke me, 15-year-old male, up. A couple of minutes of this girl yelling at my mom, she threatens to call DCFS on us because apparently my mom abuses me and hears me crying and screaming every night, which is not true. Immediately when I heard this, I jolted out of bed and told her that if anyone was getting DCFS called on, it was her, because she has like three kids in her house that I never see. Couple hours later, my mom is tired of this bench talking crap about us right in public, and so she goes and calls the cops. Couple hours later, there's detectives at her door and about three police officers, and a bit of time after that, there's an eviction notice on her door. Hopefully she leaves soon. My mom does not play. An eviction notice on her door? So, did they have like a landlord that got notified of this horrendous tenant? Especially if this is like a landlord that might have multiple places in the area? Literally, a bad tenant like that would probably drive the price down. Or shoot, maybe there was another financial reason for her to have an eviction notice. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is No Nudes For You. When I was in my early 20s, I rented out a room in my house to a boarder for $50 a week. At first, he was great at paying, but as time went on, he started saying that he couldn't pay me that week. Even though he couldn't pay me, he still had the money to buy nudie magazines. One of the weeks he couldn't pay, he bought three, which was almost equivalent to half of his rent. I finally had enough and got a sharpie and drew clothes on all the naked women. Some had granny panties, but most were fully clothed. So petty and immature, but I had so much fun doing it. What I like about this revenge is they probably still have some semblance of shame though, where like they're probably not going to go to the cops and say, hey, they defaced all my adult magazines. I mean, honestly, more power to them if they were willing to actually admit to that. Our next story is, I need advice about my mother-in-law. So my husband's grandma texts me and my husband asking if we would be mad if she came a little before my daughter's birthday to drop off a present. We said no since it was well known she did not like parties or crowds. She went on to say that her daughter, my mother-in-law, was so upset she didn't want to stay and said it would be very rude. Flash forward to yesterday, the day of the party, and mother-in-law texts saying she won't be able to stay for the party so she's also coming by early to drop off presents. What made it even better is that when she showed up, 
Her reasoning was that her boyfriend doesn't get weekends off, so they were going on a trip a few hours away. Feels like she tried to copy our excuse for why we're going out of town to see my family for Christmas this year. Now, this isn't the only time she's done things like this. For our gender reveal, she showed up and got upset when she found out we weren't doing the reveal immediately and pouted in the dining room and didn't speak to anyone. At our daughter's first birthday, she showed up long enough to drop off a present, then left. At our wedding, she got upset that we didn't want her boyfriend walking down the aisle, because we don't know him like that, they'd only been together a few months. She left as soon as we cut the cake. During Christmas last year, she expected us all to stay at her house until midnight and be back bright-eyed and bushy-tailed by 8am. By day 3, I couldn't take it. I had to take a nap and it fell right during dinner. They all started talking crap about me, like the entire family because I couldn't stay awake. My husband snapped at all of them explaining that I'd just been diagnosed with three sleep disorders that weren't treated yet. This woman has asked me to bring food to family functions and not touched it, purposely excluded my friends and family, mom shamed me for things out of my control, blamed me for things that weren't even close to my fault, then never apologized once she found out it was one of her perfect family members, and made sure I couldn't attend events at her house if my husband couldn't go by doing a no-kids party, among so many other passive-aggressive things. My mother-in-law is big on being only as polite as she needs to be, Since I've never done anything wrong to her, she has to cover up being rude to me by buying me nice things for Christmas or taking me out places. But I'm starting to think she doesn't realize that I know what she's doing. It really hurts because I moved across the country from the rest of my family to be with my husband, as his job stays where we live. I have one friend here and no family, and my job doesn't provide much socialization besides with kids and speaking with their parents for 5 minutes, and my husband working long hours with very few days off so I don't get much interaction with other adults. Here's where you guys come in. How do I get real petty, but only enough for her to notice? Like, I want everyone to still think I'm not doing anything, but I want her to know I'm done with her bull. I guess the question is, is OP communicating this with their husband? Why does their husband keep just letting this go? Honestly though, I would primarily, if you still have to associate with this person, totally gray rock them, which is you just ignore anything that they're doing to try to get a rise out of you, anything that's pointed towards you, talking crap about you, you just act as if it doesn't phase you, usually that gets them pretty good, that'll get them riled up, honestly just give them the bare minimum, if they try to engage you, obviously they've upset you, so all you just give them is the bare minimum, yep, nope, uh huh, no expressions, no smiles, no small talk, I mean it's kind of what they deserve right? Our next story is, don't contribute, don't get looked after. Recently me, 35-year-old male, and my partner, 32-year-old female, had a brother move in with us temporarily after having a falling out with his old roommate. He had nowhere else to go, so we told him he can bunk and search for his own place. Anyways, upon doing so, we told him we were willing to house and feed him as long as he contributed to bills and groceries and shot $100 a week fuel money my way to drive him to work his license expired, to save him on taxi and Uber costs, and pull his weight around the house. For the first four weeks, he was regular and on time financially and helped tidy the house whenever he made messes. Now we're three months in, no sign of moving out, no financial contribution, and no help domestically. He just eats, sleeps, and works. So last week, we had a massive argument about his contribution, or lack thereof, and he flipped his crap and said we need to be more understanding and help him because he's family. 
insert guilt trip here. So my partner and I decided to tweak a few things. I didn't take him to work. We bought and made food we know he doesn't eat and no longer take him for shopping trips for things he needs. We have squeezed him out in the hopes the novelty wears off the care he has been receiving. And my petty revenge, he was using my old PS4 Pro in the lounge room as his console, purchased all these digital deluxe editions of expensive games. He is an avid and religious gamer. When he was at work, I deactivated the PS4, cleared the console, and sold it. He's now looking for rentals and house shares. Honestly, I don't even know if this is petty revenge. I feel like this is just what you have to do with a freeloader. This guy clearly got way too comfortable with their living situation and taking advantage of you, and you just kind of pulled back on that. Our next story is, I once had a landlord. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This guy was the slummiest of slumlords I've ever had the displeasure of renting from. About two months in, he stopped paying for the garbage service, so I started paying. Come winter, we found out that the roof of his old Victorian house leaked. Our many complaints were met with silence. So for a couple of months, we just used strategically placed buckets to deal with the problem. I mean, we were poor, and it was cheap housing. Now, this is in Portland, Oregon, so the rainy season is about six months long, and it gets worse after the first couple of months. Anyway, one day I was in the kitchen making lunch when the heavily soaked ceiling caved in, just barely missing me and my toddler. Oh no. Messing with me is one thing, but in danger my kid and mama bear comes out. So without even cleaning up the mess, I holstered the kid and went to the library to look up the law. Then I wrote a letter from your lawyer type letter, citing the laws, regulations, and so forth, concluded with, if this is not repaired by Monday, I will file suit. Dropped it in his mail slot. This was on a Thursday. By Saturday, he had someone working on it. But we were still ticked, so I canceled our waste collection. This house had a dirt basement of no particular utility, except for housing the partially operational water heater, the bottom coil was out, and the 1940s era oil furnace. We double bagged our garbage and started putting the bags in the basement. It didn't smell at all. By the time we vacated, the entire basement floor was tiled with double bagged garbage. I still get a smile imagining his reaction. I mean, as much as OP wants to claim that even double bagging garbage doesn't smell, I'm sure it still had to have smelled. Like, maybe it was just one of those things you kind of got a little used to? Because I can't imagine you have a basement just filled with these garbage bags and not having an odor. 
I mean, imagine the cleanup too. If there's any amount of food waste, and I'm expecting there probably is, you probably had some visitors as well. This next story is, girls cheated off of me all year. Made sure they didn't get an A, but they got a B. I'm a dad with kids now, so this was a while ago. Senior year of high school, took some history class. School and studying was easy for me, so I got good grades. All year long, these two girls that sat behind me and behind the left of me cheated off of me all year. Back then, our tests were multiple choice, and you circled your answer with pencil. Do kids even take tests with pencil and paper anymore? I just did not care. There were four tests. I think the first three were worth 20% of your final grade, and the final test 40%. It's the final test, and I decided to be a little mischievous. I knew all the answers, but I purposely wrote down wrong answers. Some were correct still, and in a way that these two girls could definitely cheat off of me. Of course, they did cheat off of me, and when done, got up and turned their tests in. They seemed happy. At this point, I took out an eraser and started erasing the wrong answers, and wrote down the correct answers, got up and turned my test in. I made sure to this right after I sat down, quickly and in a very obvious manner. The two girls started saying stuff like, how could you? I just smiled. I calculated it out so they ended up getting a final grade of B. As far as I'm concerned, they would have failed without me. I guess my question is, why settle for a B? Honestly, if you're going to let them pass, give them like a C-. I'm not gonna lie, if I took a test like that for 40% of my final grade in high school, I would have been thrilled getting a B, especially if I cheated off of somebody that seemed to clearly, like, manipulate it. I can't tell you how many classes I had where I was just thrilled getting like a 75. Our next story is, I turned in two copies of a test to thwart a cheater. I just read a story on here that reminded me of something that I did in elementary school. The kid that sat next to me would constantly copy my work and tests. I hate to belittle him, but he was a lazy and dumb POS. I got fed up with it and grabbed two copies of the test when it was handed around the classroom. On the first test, I wrote down all wrong answers while the kid next to me was copying me. I then went and turned my test into the tray with no name and went to the bathroom. In the bathroom, I wrote down all the correct answers on the other copy of the test and put my name on it. I turned it into the tray when I came back into the room. The next day was hilarious because I got a 100% and the dip crap next to me scored a zero. He was so confused. Oh well. See, I mean, this is what I imagined you would do. I don't know, if I was the person that I was getting copied off of, if I'm putting in the effort to actually do the work... I would be a little miffed, especially if somebody was cheating off of me the whole year. I'd probably want to sentence them to a zero rather than an 80. Our next story is, you can't control where your pets pee? Well, I can't control nature. I live in the 15th floor of a 20-floor apartment. It's a great place with good neighbors, and the apartment is really pet-friendly, and most of the pet owners are very responsible. Never had any issues for three years of my stay. Few months back, a new neighbor, let's call her B, moves in with her two dogs one floor below me. One fine Saturday morning, I opened my door and was hit with a pungent urine smell. I found that some pet had peed in the stairwell area of my floor. I called in my supervisor and he called in the cleaning crew and it took hours for the smell to vanish. Trust me, it was not an easy process and it took multiple rounds of chemicals. Having a good experience with my neighbors, I reached out to them and they guaranteed that they would never allow such a thing. Now knocking on B's door, 
He said, yeah, what do you want? I said, hey, hi, I live above you and we found someone's dog had peed in the stairwell and it's causing a lot of pungent smell. They said, so, what you bothering me for? I replied, I think you're also a pet own. They jump in, hold on here, before you go and make accusations of things, you can't control when your pet wants to go. Don't bother me ever again. Slam door. Well, at this point it was obvious. I told this to my sup and he's hardworking, kind-hearted guy. He said some people are such jerks and he'll try to find a solution. Fast forward two weeks on a Friday when I returned from a work-related travel, I was again hit with the horrid urine smell. And of course, it was at my stairwell, only this time I had an upper hand. Well, thanks to Mother Nature, it was raining down a lot. I simply opened the windows of my stairwell so that the rainwater would fall in and accumulate and start spilling down along with the dog urine. Now, the stairwell area has a neat gap along the corners, so it reaches all the way 14 floors down and mixed with dog urine. During my first experience speaking with the cleaning crew, I knew that just washing with water would not let the smell go away. I just called my friend to stay over weekend and returned on Sunday to see most of the residents at the lobby along with a few animal shelter guys. It seems B had been approached by the pet owners in the apartment complex not to freak around an existing pet friendly area and she will be charged for the cleaning done for the entire 14 floors. Been a week now, not one pet urination problem and B has been given the ultimatum by the supervisor. Even in the situation that you had like an elderly dog who literally could not control it, it's still on you to make sure you don't make a mess of public spaces like the stairwell. If your dog cannot help it but pee in that stairwell, you need to go and get that dog a diaper. Our next story is, I gotta throw facts in one of my bullies face. So this might not seem like much of revenge to anyone else, but to me it felt so good. About 10 years ago, I was living my best life and had moved to Japan to study Japanese and I was genuinely having a blast and loved every single part of it. One of my old bullies reached out one day on Facebook and either they'd seen on my page that I lived in Japan or someone had told them, I don't know. They wrote something along the lines of, Hi OP, it's me Amy, how are you these days? I noticed you live in Japan now and I was wondering if you could help me with X, Y and Z because I'm thinking of moving there myself. Not literally that, but that's the gist. I easily could have answered their questions in about five minutes, but heck no. Instead, I replied back, I'm sorry, Amy who? Do I know you? And Amy responded with, Haha, yeah, it's me, Amy, from school. We had class together for years. This was when my petty revenge side came out. I just said, Oh, right, Amy, I remember. You used to call me fat and called me the R word a lot. How can I help you? I got no reply and noticed later that Amy had blocked me. Ha! I know it's not a huge thing, but it felt so good to throw those facts in her face because it was 100% accurate. She spent years calling me horrible names, saying I couldn't ride in normal cars because I was too fat and had to be on the back of trucks, and that my clothes were all made out of sheets because I was too fat for normal clothes. And yeah, she called me our translation of the R word every chance she got. I could have been the bigger person and given her the advice she asked for, but freak that. Find your own freaking information. I love that this person actually recognized OP and thought, hey, it's me from school was going to work. 
Like somehow somebody's going to forget all the torment you went through as long as like they recognize you and you're out there being like, hey, yeah, it is me, the person that tormented you all those years ago. Remember how much of a jerk I was in high school? Yeah, we went there together. Help me out. This next story is job interviewer ghosted me and then had one of his employees tell me to go home. So I did. While I do have a job already, I thought it would be worthwhile to see what else is out there. A week ago, I found a job posting on Indeed. It sounded like a good gig, paid good and is work that I like doing. The only downfall is that it's a 35 minute drive out of town. I had a good conversation with the business owner via Indeed inbox and he seemed like a good guy. I explained that I work every day from 7am to 3.10pm and he understood that there is a bit of a commute to his shop. He asked me if I could meet up with him at 3.30. I told him that it isn't possible as I was done at 3.10 and can't do a 35 minute drive in under 20 minutes. I explained that I would be leaving town at 3.10 to come and see him and that I would see him when I get there, somewhere around 3.40ish. So I gave him my phone number just in case something was to change and we left on a good note. I drove rather fast, getting there at 3.37, happy that I got there in under 35 minutes. I show up, business closed. I figured he was somewhere nearby, so I get out of my vehicle to search. I look over to my left to see two teenagers moving some materials. I approach them and ask them where their boss was while explaining that I had a meeting with him now. One of them then informs me that he just left a few minutes ago, but could call him back to come meet me. He calls his boss, saying who I am, etc. The teenager chuckles, says okay with a you gotta be freaking kidding me look on his face, and then hangs up. Teenager to me says, he says to go home. I asked him to repeat himself. He said go home, this time laughing uncomfortably. I now have another 35 minute drive ahead of me and I am very irritated. I decided to leave as his boss instructed but instead of driving the gravel driveway back onto the highway, the way I came from, I decided to leave him a present to remember me by. Some donut tire skid marks on his front lawn as I tore out of there. 30 minutes after that, he felt the need to reach out to me and introduce himself via private number, but I let it go to voicemail as I was driving, which upon listening to later on, further proved to me that all his negative Google reviews were more than likely all true and that this person isn't someone to do business with anyways. I would be livid too, I don't think I would leave them donut tire marks, but I kinda understand why OP did. When they say, oh, can you meet me at 3.30? And OP said, oh, I can get there around 3.40ish, and gets there around 3.40ish and they're just gone? Forget that guy. I'd give him another bad review too. Our next story is, Fish Gets Schooled by OG. Background and Dynamics of Unit, I used to work in a hospital that had a prisoner unit for those too sick to be cared for in the prison's infirmary. Prisoners are usually really respectful to us. The ones who aren't are usually the ones that have never been to prison before. Fish. The COs were specifically hired to guard these hospital patients, even if they had to be transferred to the ICU. Our relationship with the COs was really close. They understood basic medical cues. A fish came in and was so disrespectful to us berating us, cussing, demanding things. OG, Johnny, was a frequent flyer of ours. He had chronic kidney disease and always a smile and positive attitude. Johnny got sick of the guy acting out and treating us badly. The staff were frustrated and the fish was just making things difficult and changing the normally chill vibe of the unit. 
Johnny told him multiple times to stop and to respect the staff. Finally, Johnny tells him that if he wants to get a really good high, he should try some mag citrate. He told him that he just didn't want one bottle, but he wanted two. Fish yells at his nurse demanding mag citrate. We all looked at each other, and Donna calls the doc and tells him that Fish wants some mag citrate. The doc, knowing how much of a pain in the butt this PT was, asked if he was constipated. Donna said, well, he is full of crap. Donna put the two bottles on the table, and immediately the guy chugged the first bottle. Donna grabbed a bedpan. The PT barely finished the second bottle and his stomach started cramping. She told the CO that he might want to uncuff him. As soon as the cuff came off, the guy had to use the bathroom. Donna handed him the bedpan and the explosion started. Everyone in the unit started smiling. We were really doing our best to appear professional, and Johnny was laughing so hard. The guy realized what happened and started screaming, F you Johnny, F you Johnny. Johnny told him that he better not ever disrespect anyone else in this hospital ever again. The fish never disrespected us again. Please and thank you and yes no ma'am slash sir became his normal responses throughout the rest of his stay. I really miss Johnny. He ended up passing a few years later. Forgive me if this is a completely inappropriate analogy, but this kind of reminds me of like a dog and a puppy where the seasoned experienced dog stops the puppy's wild outlashes and whatnot. If somebody ended up in a situation like the fish or Johnny, honestly, I'm with Johnny. It's better than being behind bars, right? Maybe not by much, but it certainly is. Our next story is revenge on a client who tried to throw me under the bus. I was pushing 40 and I'd learned a lot of lessons in more than 10 years of legal practice. But one of the most important lessons I learned was from an older lawyer that I worked for as a summer student after the second year of law school. A lawyer has three duties, he told me. First to himself, second to the court, and last, the client. Always make sure you come first and the client comes last. The reason? Because clients will freak you, he said. They'll throw you under the bus without thinking twice. I should have stayed with this lawyer, but being young and an idiot, I had to go to work downtown and I'm still downtown now, but fortunately for me, I remembered this lesson and it came in handy many years later when a client really did try to throw me under the bus. My client was this mid-sized company that did this and that and owned things here and there, not big enough to be listed, but it did have a pretty sizable real estate portfolio, and one day, a building they owned burned to the ground. The company wanted to collect on the insurance, so they told Frank, a veteran salary man, to deal with it. Frank was close to 60 and thought he knew what he was doing. He didn't need me to help him with the insurance claim, he told me. He had everything under control. Besides, lawyers are expensive. Some guys really get off on not paying legal fees, and Frank was one of those guys who gloated over every penny that he managed not to pay to the lawyers. I dealt with Frank a lot, and he was always nickel and diming me. The insurer's going to freak you, I told Frank. It was only by luck that I even knew about the fire and the loss, because Frank had not asked for my help. He'd just let it slip one day, and since then I'd kept on top of him, trying to get him to smarten up. I'd had to fight to get him to send me the proof of loss form to make sure he hadn't messed that up. Frank freaked up a lot, and I wondered sometimes how he had a job. But the proof of loss was okay, at least, so that was one less thing to worry about. You don't know that, he said. I could tell he just wanted to get me off the phone. I'm paid to know when insurers are trying to screw my clients, I said. 
and the insurer is going to screw you. They've been stringing you along for ages with requests and questions and paperwork, but they aren't going to pay you. Not unless you sue them. But Frank said he knew what he was doing, that it was all under control, and besides, he got along with the adjuster so great. The limitation period expires in two weeks, I said, and once that two weeks pass, it will be too late to sue. The moment that limitation period expires, they will stop taking your calls. You'll get a final email saying, sorry, you're out of time, and that will be that. Don't leave this till the last minute. Let me sue right now, and you'll have the money in no time. Frank was like, sure, fine, whatever, don't bother me, I got this, blah blah blah, and he got off the phone as soon as he could. I sent him the usual email with clear warnings and recommendations, which he ignored. I sent the email again and then again as the limitation period approached, and again a couple of days before the deadline. I said I'm going to be at trial and you won't be able to reach me, my final email said, but you have to sue, you have other firms on your list so pick one and sue. He didn't bother to reply and I went off to do my trial. The trial lasted a couple of weeks and no email from Frank. Then a month passed and another month, still no email. I figured he must have sorted things out. Maybe Frank was right after all, I said to myself. And then my phone rang. It was Frank. Remember that fire insurance thing we spoke about? We'd only spoken about it like a dozen times. I figured he was calling to gloat, so I cut to the chase. So they paid out. That's great, Frank. You were right. He asked me what I was talking about and could he see a copy of the claim. What claim, I said? The claim against the insurer? You know, that claim. Does that mean the insurer didn't pay, I said? He hung up on me, and then a few minutes later, my computer dinged. And there was Frank's email talking about how we spoke, and he told me to sue, and he was worried when I hadn't sent him a copy of the claim, so he was following up to get a copy of the claim. I emailed him back, I take it that the insurer didn't pay you, just like I told you they wouldn't. And now that the limitation period is expired, they told you to jump in the lake, leaving you with a loss in the millions. Is that it? I'd made a mistake by not going over Frank's head when he wouldn't listen to me. But if I'd gone over Frank's head, I never would have received another file from him. So I didn't. But that was then and this was now. So I CC'd Frank's boss and his boss's boss. Plus I CC'd Bill, the client's in-house counsel. Bill acknowledged my email right away and called me later that day. Frank messed up, he said. We know that. He's an idiot. So what do we do? I said, so his excuses didn't work? They said, nope. Bill explained that they'd summoned Frank to a boardroom, but his story didn't add up, given all the warnings I'd sent him. Besides, there would have been no reason for him to keep emailing the insurer if he told me to sue. Once the file goes to legal counsel, Frank's role was over. The company knew Frank was bullcrapping them. So that's it then, Bill said? We just lost a couple of million bucks? It's okay, I said, explaining that when I realized that Frank was going to freak up, I issued a claim against the insurer because I'd made Frank send me the proof of loss a while earlier. I had enough information that I could sue to preserve the cause of action. Not a great claim and short on details, but good enough. You sued without instructions, Bill said? Lawyers aren't supposed to sue without instructions because if you do that, you are personally liable for whatever cost the other side incurs. It's a big deal to sue without instructions. Yep, I said. I sued without instructions. I pulled up a copy of the claim and emailed it to him as we spoke. It's a little rough, I said, but we can always amend. Thank God, Bill said. Can I leave it with you? Of course he could. 
The insurer was a sitting duck, and I knew I'd collect from them no problem. A few days later, I got a call from another guy who worked for the client, a guy I didn't normally deal with. They had a situation and needed my help. I usually deal with Frank, I said. What's up? What was up was that Frank got called into another meeting, and they handed him a one-page letter. And then, he put his little office things in a box, and security walked him past his co-workers to the elevator and escorted him downstairs to the parking lot. Bye-bye, Frank. He was too old to get another job, or at least not a decent one. It was a life-changing event for Frank. But for me, he was just an anecdote. A cautionary tale that I tell young lawyers sometimes over beers, maybe too often, because I'm getting on in years and I have my favorite stories. I wasn't trying to get revenge on Frank, not at all. And I would have felt a bit sorry for him if he hadn't been trying to throw me under the bus. But the guy who replaced him was great and never nickel and dimed me. So, it was all good. I mean, I guess you can live with the paranoia that maybe a lawyer is trying to just take advantage of you and get a commission. But I don't know, if I were in Frank's position and I was told this by a lawyer like OP said, I think I'd hear it out pretty clearly. At least I would speak to all the other people involved, unlike what Frank did. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.